Hello everyone, before we start I just wanted to give a quick apology for the audio levels on this week's podcast. Unfortunately, Heston Blumenthal, whose fault this is entirely, has a long-standing allergy to technology. We do not know what it is. We think he may have a metal plate somewhere inside his head that sends all technology around him haywire. But unfortunately, it once again raised its ugly head this week, and the microphones, computers, and everything that we do our podcast on went completely berserk. So, throughout this episode, I'm afraid you're going to hear occasional moments when you get a little bit of electronic interference, and some of the volume levels on the podcast go a bit bonkers. Please... Do accept our apology for this. Uh, Heston has been given a good talking to and now been told to stay as far away from the microphone as humanly possible uh, from this point on. So apologies about the sound quality, but hopefully you're still going to enjoy the episode. His name is Heston Blumenthal. He's one of the world's finest chefs and our captain as we take a trip to the centre of food to discover more about our special relationship with cooking and eating. My name's Jay Taylor. I'll be your host for this adventure, along with our Fat Duck producer, James Winter. And on today's episode, it's a sequel. As we try to finish what we didn't really start last week and once again delve into cherries and generally try not to be so easily distracted as we are. Must try harder. So without further ado, let's meet the man who is a constant distraction in class, Heston Blumenthal. Hello, Heston. <laughs> nice intro, Jay. Um, I'm now I'm now back with my with my microphone and we were going to do cherries, but we answered a couple of he asked me a couple of amazing listener listeners questions, which took us off all over a or everywhere and nowhere and all over the place, all at the same time. It was fantastic. Of course, not a cherry in sight. And I had lovingly prepared some notes just because there were so many sort of connections with te- cherries that I've done or played around with and delved into over the years that I lovingly left my cherry notes in Spain. <laughs> now, I, uh, I know today... Hello, James, by the way. Uh, I'm sure we must try Hello, harder too. <laughs> now, um, obviously, we're, we're going to try very hard not to be distracted today and get on to what we need to talk about, which is cherries. However, <laughs> you did ask last week a really interesting question, which was, why don't we drink pig's milk? And this probably yes. take, needs some context, so I suggest people go back and listen to the podcast next, last week because otherwise it sounds... Very weird to say that now. <laughs> but obviously that sent me down one of those awful Google rabbit holes. Um, so apparently, although, although pig's milk is high in fat, around 8.5% compared to cow's milk at 3.9% and an excellent source of nutrition, sows are very difficult to milk. Uh, they have 14 teats compared to cow's four um, and they don't want them being touched by humans. So, so there that, you are. That's what <laughs> said, that's, okay, that's what you said last week. Would you want to milk a pig? <laughs> So that, okay, that makes sense to me. Yeah, you need 14 of those sucky things. But also that then you end up going down all the other Google searches. So people have asked, um, why can't we drink dog's milk? <laughs> it's like, well. We could have a milk, milk podcast. Milk I'm cast. not drinking dog's milk. Someone even said, can you feed it to your baby? And someone's replied, no, feeding dog's milk to a baby is probably not great from a nutritional standpoint. <laughs> That's your only... <laughs> oh, brilliant. <laughs> oh, I love it. Don't have to persuade the dog it. to get it in the bottles. The hard part. So now we must finally. I mean, after all the build-up, honestly, I don't think anyone's that interested in cherries. But now we do need to <laughs> do what we set out to do last week, which is talk about cherries. So uh, we can do some questions at the end if we have time. Otherwise, we'll just get distracted by more weird animal milk. Uh, Heston, talk to me about cherries. This simple, humble ingredient that we don't think a great deal about. 
you've thought a great deal about, right? There's a, a group of hormones which create emotions in our bodies called rewards. And they're, the theory is from evolution, they're designed to give us a feeling that we've worked. When you work for something, it has more value. So think about pistachios. Pistachios from the shell always taste more pleasurable than if you just poured a whole pan full of pistachios out of a packet and shoved them in your mouth. But one by one, you have Definitely. to crack the shell open. Definitely. Yeah, I always thought there was something about, different about it. I was like, is something happened when it comes out the shell? But yeah, it's the working for it, isn't it? And I think cherries, you know, there's other fruits with, which actually share very similar properties in terms of this, the content of the molecular, uh, the smell, um, aroma of the stone, like apricots and plums and peaches. However, a cherry is, a peach is quite a big thing, but a cherry is small. So... The ratio of the stone to the cherry to the flesh is quite is quite big, quite a lot of stone. So yeah. in order to get, yeah. so you have to work. It almost the cherry almost slows your eating down. So you have to work for you <laughs> put the cherry in your mouth. You pull out the little green stem. Even that action in itself is something sort of like you're plucking something from your mouth, or or plucking Very regal, it from the tree isn't it? in reverse. Yeah, and then you you masticate. Careful how I say that, and then. And then the, the then the stone, well, it's either spitting it out or, pop, 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 um, or popping it into a bowl. So that for me, there was something. I mean, I love the flavour of cherries anyway, but there was something rewarding about you have to. It's not. It's not a big load of flesh. So it's a bit like eating an olive. The touch of the fingers. Actually, this is that was going to sound really wrong. With pre-mastication, um, the touch of the fingers on it. <laughs> yeah. Touching so, my cherry with your little fingers. <laughs> so, it's a G. Cooper novel before you know it. So that, that was the first thing. Then the cherry stone. Now, obviously, you, if you try and bite the cherry stone, you're going to have to go to the dentist. However, if you smash the cherry stone with, I mean, Hammer, you can use a base of a, um, a saucepan, but you know, have something that stops them flying all over the kitchen. Just give them a smash and then and then infuse them or boil them in, 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 in a syrup or something. What you get is this incredible bitter almond flavor. And bitter almond is different to almond in the way that marzipan is different to almond. Marzipan is almond-like, but <clears throat> it's not almond. So bitter almond um, contains... Um, something called benzaldehyde, which is the aroma molecule that is in cherries and almonds and it's in, and it's in um, things like, uh, oh, it's in marzipan. So the official title of this dish is roast foie gras. And then in, in below, in, in, in uh, quotations, benzaldehyde. Almond fluid gel, cherry and chamomile. And it went on the menu in 2003. And this dish, is the star of the show is, the, is benzaldehyde. However, if I served a plate of benzaldehyde, I think it would certainly be Emperor's New Clothes because you couldn't see anything. You might be able to smell marzipan, um, bitter almond, but you wouldn't see anything. It's a molecule. So I wanted to uh, have various elements of the dish that really showcase benzaldehyde and supported the sort of the main ingredient in terms of mass. Well, what, what I did, we, we played around with lots of things. Um, to see how they would work with the garnishes. So I'll, I'll, what I'll do is I'll explain the garnishes first, and then and then and then come to the the, the actual the biggest piece of food on the plate, which is the foie gras. Um, we have a a fluid gel, basically an almond puree, but it's it's a fluid gel. And the 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 fluid gel is a technique I developed years ago, where using a heat resistant jelly, 
could be agar carrageenan and make you make that from seaweed or gelan we used a lot so imagine it's heat resistant so when it sets you can heat it up and it won't melt so you make it to it sets hard but light set you make almond milk infuse the almonds in the water blitz it make almond milk added some almond essential oil just to boost the the, the real almond fragrant notes and then fresh bay leaves which are very different to dry just a couple they're incredibly floral and fragrant sort of sweet smelling as well then set it and then blitzed it with a hand blender pass it through a sieve so this beautiful white creamy but not fatty puree and the benefit of making fluid gels is that you don't have to use starches to thicken when you use starches to thicken they mask the flavor so this one that allows the flavor just to come to explode out um, then the cherries this is obviously the key to the dish cherry puree and we made it with soured morello cherries some dried cherries which had even more of sourness because that really that was this sourness is very key because you've got still fairly rich the, the almond puree although not fatty but then then you've got the star of the show the foie gras the star in terms of the the, the biggest that's the biggest piece of food so the acidity was critical to count to balance the richness um, so we made a puree but I realized in order to get the consistency because not all it's like strawberries if not all strawberries when you buy strawberries they're not all going to have the same sweetness so you need to ideally for consistency in a restaurant you need to measure the sweetness which is there is a there is a scale called bricks for that and for measuring acidity you have its pH so I got a pH meter which I don't think anyone had used before in a, in a, in a restaurant and it was for anyone that's remotely interested the pH 3.4 it was was that 3.5 was not sour enough and 3.2 was too sour it's such a such a fine line to get to so that's you've got this line of cherry puree this line of it's almost like a, a tr imagine a comet flying through this through space and the trace of the comet that's the shape of the the, the line of the almond fluid gel the line of the cherry the, the cherry puree there's a, a little lightly pickled cherry with its stalk on and then three four five beautiful perfect golden cubes of amaretto jelly amaretto again full of benzaldehyde made with peach stones and more apricot stones uh, but we made that with gelatine and gelatine is wonderful because it melts at the, the its texture it's unlike the heat resistant gel it melts in your mouth however the problem is it also melts on a warm plate and this was a warm starter so that had to go on last last minute um, until those little pieces of gel did create quite a lot of headache because um, the temperature of the plate was critical. Oh God, why do I make my life? If, if, there's, if there was an easy and a complicated way to do things, I'd go for the really, really complicated. So I'm in the process now of making my life more simple, but I've realized there's nothing simple about simplicity. So then lastly, the foie gras, roasted foie gras. Um, middle of the plate and on top of it, it we, I covered it with um, um, chopped chives almost like a mattress of chopped chives very finely chopped we gave this wonderful green note slightly slight soft bitterness and peppery characteristic there was salt and pepper on there as well dried chamomile flowers because I love their fragrance so and, and just because I love them enough and I can and then finished it off with fresh almonds so we had you got almonds in their green casings break the casing open the almonds inside they're white they're more malleable they're slightly bendy very they're not not nowhere near as hard as your dried brown almonds you buy in the packet with the, that's with the skins on 
and then we microplane them so it looks like it's covered in very finely grated palm white parmesan but they're almonds Whew, and that is um that is the and that is that that was my first full flavor pairing dish i mean the white chocolate caviar there was you know two but i took two ingredients but this is really based all around benzaldehyde bitter almonds which is cherry stones are absolutely chock full of benzaldehyde oh and just the cherry stones obviously were used uh you know they say no no children were harmed in the making of this um i can't say no cherry stones were bashed in the making of this because because in the cherry puree uh we made a bash the cherry stones and made an infusion just to extract even more benzaldehyde um and there, there we have it. Here's something I always wanted to ask you. So talking about you know cherries and almonds and how they're sort of good bedfellows because they have benzaldehyde in them. I've heard that almonds contain cyanide in them. That's rice, is it? One to two thousand almonds, or bitter almonds, in one hit, you'll die. Really? Oh, this is a really? good one. That sounds yeah. like an experiment <clears throat> for us, doesn't it? It might be a that bit of a... Like a... I don't, please don't quote me on my numbers. Just normal almonds? Just normal almonds, or do you have to? Sprint? I can't. You have to look it up. But I did. It was in my notes. I, I thought, wow. But then, that's an awful lot of almonds. You'd probably die of being bloated before then. I don't know. But um, <laughs> I don't want to put people off off almonds or bitter almonds. And it raises the question that there's some very low level poisonous stuff and bitter stuff. So bit, everything poisonous is bitter, but not everything bitter is poisonous. So when we when mm. we're kids and we grow up, we we are human beings are explorers. We don't just climb mountains. We ex, we love exploring. So we we learn to like bitter things like coffee. Why do you think we learn to like bitter? Wonder if, that if subconsciously or unconsciously, from an evolutionary point of view, we're just we're dancing with. I, this is a I don't. This is a very big extreme over exaggeration. We're dancing with death. But yeah, the cyanide I know what you mean because when I'm out in the countryside, you know you can't eat the red berries. You know those little red berries, like the holly yeah. berries. But you <clears> don't yeah, have to try one oh. just to see. Yeah. Oh, no, <laughs> don't go there. No. <laughs> the more you tell yourself no, the more yes comes along. So, so yeah. around this little cherry is all this. You know, the, this story kept on sort of growing, and we use these uh, sour cherries that um, we also use for the Black Forest Gatto, which we'll come on to. You and that you and I filmed in. Um, in Bavaria, and uh, making the those these sour cherries, merino cherries, they're, they're dark. They're not. They're nothing like glacé cherries. They're they're dark and they're very um, they're sour, but in a really pleasing way. So they really make your mouth water. The Bakewell tart. What does it contain mainly? Marzipan, marzipan, and a compote of cherries. It's benzaldehyde. And in France, they have something called a clafouti, which is a like a tart a tart with just more posh. Uh, they call it frangipan, or, or no, the French call it tante par, tante par tante, which is equal quantities of almonds, sugar, butter, and I think flour. And <clears throat> you make that mix. It's like a marzipan, but with with ground almonds as opposed to marzipan paste. And then they put cherries in it, and they bake it, and it fluffs up. And it's called a clafouti de cerise. Well, that sounds nice. Voila. Oof. Yeah. Although I would say a bakewell tart. I used to the thing about bakewell tarts as well is the ones we mainly encounter, like you say, the Mr. Kipling ones, which are a little bit rubbish. And then I went to Bakewell for a holiday once and oh my god. I mean the proper bakewell tarts will ch- change your religion. They're fantastic. I was really impressed. But normally you just get the nasty ones you get in the supermarket, which sort of 
It's a bit like that with cherries in general, really. It's, it's, you mentioned gattos as well. What's happened to the gatto? Where's that gone? That used to be a big deal, right? <laughs> what do you mean, where's it gone? <laughs> when's the last time you had a gatto? When did, well, when did you go looking for one? I remember so? my dad coming back from France. My dad, they, they, my dad loved his food, but he loved the quantity more than the more than the quality. And he also he he, he, he loved eating, <clears throat> and he 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 wanted to find the off the off the beaten track restaurant that the no food guide had discovered, but each time complained because there's a reason why the food guide hadn't discovered it unless it's a little fermo bush and then when he came back from <laughs> france he didn't really speak he didn't speak uh, much french and he said oh and he said i've had enough of french cuisine before he said well it's it's poisson this and beyond that and legume the other and what i mean that's just like all the menus are the same is meat and fish and veg <laughs> the gatto is basically in, is is just about a, any cake. So the great bake-off is all, all gattos. Is it? What was the yeah. delineation between gatto and cake? We can, well, they're just one is an English word and, well, in French use the word cake, but it's, <laughs> it's a language. Specific, yeah. Is it though? If, if you put a gatto, a Black Forest gatto versus a cake, that's not the same. There must be some no. kind of <clears throat> Yeah, but you're talking about in English, a cake. You, okay, well, how do you, how do you see a cake? Okay, Victoria Sponge. There we are. That's your archetypal cake. Cake, okay. boom, Victoria Sponge. Yeah. Gatto, so significantly gatto, more cream. Uh, yeah, well, and other things. So a gatto would normally contain or could contain a cake or part of a sponge. So you're thinking of, when you think cake, you think sponge, probably maybe with icing and cream, something like that. Yeah. Gatto would normally contain more layers and it's just more complex. It's more French. It's a cutlery thing as well. I think you eat gatto... <laughs> With a fork or a spoon. Well, you could. Cake with your fingers. You couldn't eat a gatto with your fingers, could you? Yes, you could. <laughs> well, you could, but you'd be a, you'd be an animal, frankly. <laughs> your point is. <laughs> Jay, I see what you're getting at. I, I, I love it. I can't really. I mean, you sort of. Yeah, there is a difference between a cake and a gatto. But a gatto can contain a cake and a cake can't contain a gatto. Boom. <laughs> We're back to crunchy versus crispy, aren't we? Yeah, I think we, we are. Bit, <laughs> Anyway, sorry. Back to cherries. I'm I'm responsible for distracting the class today. Uh, ba- back to cherries. So back to cherries. I mean, you were talking about uh, Bakewell um, having a Bakewell tie and Bakewell. Are we the Heinz uh, the Heinz Head? We we did quite a lot of work on this and had an unbelievable. It was an f- incredible Bakewell tart. But the reason, one of the reasons why it's so incredible, was that it was cooked to order. So you had to wait for 15 minutes ah. for it. And you put it in the oven, it comes out fresh. Oh. oh, wow. Can I just make a point of order, just in case anyone's listening from Bakewell itself? I think they'd always call their Bakewell served in Bakewell as a Bakewell pudding. I don't know whether that's going to upset anyone oh. just listening. I'm just so there's a Bakewell pudding and a Bakewell tart. And Bakewell tarts are very Mr. Kipling. I think the people at Bakewell, I think you mentioned earlier. Oh, we don't want them storming Pod HQ. Bakewells would say theirs is a pudding, not a tart. But they Yeah, it's important. Well, we know how passionate people can get. Well, there's a whole podcast <laughs> to do on puddings. We should do there is. that on the list. Yeah, we should there's a whole podcast. What's the, uh, I know I've thrown a curveball in. And actually, there's a whole podcast to have on naming of dishes. And, and, and why does it That's really all, matter? It? It, it probably matters to some people, and I understand why it matters. So often meat and fruit is one. Very, some people like it, some people don't, whatever. Um, but often there's a certain meat associated with a certain fruit, you know, like pork and apples, you think maybe lamb, 
with apricots. Um, I can't think of what chicken might go with, but red meats. I don't know. I wondered whether cherries is there, is there an association with cherries, where which is a kind oh of yeah yeah a big one, big one, big one, big one. Um, duck and pigeon. Duck duck with cherries is a is a is a very great sort of French dish. Why don't you take us into the realms of the Black Forest then for a little while? Why don't we take a little potter into? I presume that is that Hans Christian Andersen territory. That's where they is that where they're from. Yeah, I think so. Or brother, is it Brothers Grimm? Brothers Grimm. I don't know. Yeah, is it Brothers Grimm? Well, um, I know we. Well, I remember when we 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 made the program on them for In Search of Perfection on the Black Forest Gatto, <clears throat> and in fact, it was one of those when you went to with your folks to a friend's house for lunch or something, and they'd bring out Black Forest, like a Sara Lee or something, Black Forest Gatto out of the box. But as a kid, it was like, oh no. I just what are you I wanted a about? cake. I wanted a cake. No, I wanted a big. I black forest gatter sponge. As a kid. nonsense. No, bring out a black forest gatter. That is a showstopper. That's like, come on now, it's special time. Oh no, a lot. I love a black forest gatter. Cherries all over it. Bit of cream. That's proper posh. That. Ah, <laughs> uh, that that that. Um, so I remember we started the show with what with what a lot of people's perception of a black forest gatter was, and it was this clumsy old frozen cake with with over whipped cream. Um, still cold in the middle, still frozen in the middle. Still ice crystals. Yeah, kids, yeah. Lo- lots of kids didn't like. So we we went back to the origin as as uh, I, I do one of my Hi, I'm Heston Blumenthal. And I'm on a quest. I'm on an v- adventure to change the world of food. I want a mission. Uh, and my challenge today Black Forest Gatto. So I'm going to the heart of the, the heart of the Black Forest in Germany, Bavaria. And I remember us going to that. We we had afternoon tea, didn't we, in this hotel in, um, I can't remember the name of the town. Um, it was in the Black Forest on the river. And and it was like stepping back into time. There, There's your gatto with fork, eat with a fork, Black Forest gatto. Oh, yeah, well, I can't be, yeah, you could pick it back Black Forest gatto up with your fingers, but it's, it seems more... <laughs> Oh, hasn't shut up. <laughs> Stay on track. It needs, it needs a fork. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, I mean, maybe this is part of the definition of gato. I mean, you, you need a fork to eat it. Well, gato is French for fork. No, it's not. Shut up. That'd be for a minute then as well. Hang on. There could be a connection. I thought we cracked it. We've got this. <laughs> Thinking, why has um, no one known this before? <laughs> <laughs> when we bring out like the uh, the definitive categorization of different foods, it's going to be a picture of a black forest gatto and a fork on the front cover. Yeah, and it, it'll be called well, it well it is now. <laughs> the name of the. Um, and then we went to see um um we went to a um a con is it conditor what do they call them in German is a conditor is basically a, a German pastry chef that that was was in is in the heart of the black forest and he took us through the the important things for black forest gatto and one one was this this is where i discovered these sour cherries but also he said the very important thing for him for the him or the traditionalists of a black forest gatto is that one it has to have the flavor of cherries not glacé cherries cherries but it needs salt sweet sour and bitter it needs to have those four things in balance, and that sort of that 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 really resonated with me. Then I remember hmm. we um, before we finished filming, and then I went for a run, and 
it was very sort of, I think this is a very posh town um, that we're in, very beautiful. And there was sort of, I was running, I just obviously didn't likely to get lost, <clears throat> but I was <laughs> running sort of down these various streets and lanes with houses, there, but houses are sort of um, detached houses, nice sort of front lawns. They look very, they look very, um, very uh, refined, let's say, L traditional architecture. But I kept on getting this incredible whiff of kish. And I think people were making kish in their homes, left, right, and center. And kish is made from cherries, from the cherry stones in particular. Wow. Um, and, oh, home and, brews as well. <clears throat> yeah. And so this smell, this incredible smell, and I was never really a big kish fan but the smell i think having immersed myself in 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 the black forest and 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 black forest gatto and and the origins and 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 the things that you know people consider that you need to really keep your eye on when you're making it the things that really need to stand out it was it was as if it sort of completed the picture for me so when we came back in, um to um we got back and did the development work we went on the gatto route so this had like seven or eight layers in it it had aerated chocolate <clears throat> um which is one of the things that um developed years ago where you put it in a vacuum machine and suck it and and, and it souffles it rises up so it had a base a nut base it had a cherry compote then it had a chocolate mousse it had a chocolate ganache which is like a truffle mixture um and then it had this, as I said, this cherry compote in the middle. It was we froze the outside and sprayed it. Remember, we used to have a bit of flocking when you fr you freeze that a ghetto. Looks so cool when you did yeah, that you spraying it with it. It's like a <clears throat> yeah. But to do it wasn't easy, was it? You built this. I remember you having to build this big elaborate sort of like sort of perspex garage around yourself to do it in because it made such a mess. Because you used like a car well, spread. <clears throat> you use an electric paint gun, um, one that's not been used for paint, ideally. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then you, make your, you put your liquid chocolate your chocolate spray you basically you make a chocolate sauce and um with it's it's melted it's chocolate and water basically maybe some sugar in it not and then you freeze the gatto and then you spray so you spray paint the chocolate onto the frozen gatto when it hits the, that temperature contrast the shock creates like um suede beautiful suede texture and a very light, delicate crust. If you if you spray it enough, what you need um, to be careful of is that you remember that you're spraying chocolate. So um, it's better to 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 cut surfaces in clean film or something so you can just peel it off, as opposed to thinking, "Oops." Um, and then we serve the black forest gato. It's beautiful, like a cube with a, with a sour cherry on top. And for the cherry stalk, we we shredded vanilla pods lengthways, candied them. And while they're still soft, tied a little knot in the top and then stuck it in the cherry. So the vanilla, this crispy vanilla stalk was the, was the actual stalk, replaced the stalk of the cherry. And the cherry sat on top on this beautifully flocked sort of rectangle block style gatto. Um, and then, and then the, and then the kish ice cream or sorbet and then the spray. It worked, but it was a lot, a lot of work. Why do I overcomplicate things? Oh, if anyone's interested, one of our guests on Feast was John Coulshaw. Yeah, the, the, the impersonator, he's yeah. brilliant. He was well, lovely, wasn't he? If, if we go, BB, it's on BBC, John Coulshaw, Heston Cheese Sandwich. And he, he, <laughs> oh, he, really? He, yeah, he impersonates me and he and he, he turns the cheese sandwich into, you know, the grater is like a, I got, no, what did he call it? 
her cow's milk was a protein based something 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 and a cheese grater was a <laughs> so I, every, he made everything really complicated and he finishes off saying I've done it again haven't I I made something really simple really complicated <laughs> <laughs> that is that is exactly what it is isn't it it's like this what, what if we did that to it oh no <laughs> yeah oh no you take the cherry stalk out and replace it afterwards with a crystallized vanilla seed that's just brilliant because we're doing 25 years of the duck we've got this anthology four menus and because of covid <clears throat> um it's got been pushed back so we're gonna 25 years of the duck will probably end up in 47 years of the duck but <laughs> we're going back to the anthology menu and, and one of the <clears throat> next forthcoming menus the black forest gato is going to make a making a return wow talking about anniversaries we're soon coming up to an important 63rd anniversary for this podcast or 64th we decided on on, on journey to the center of food we're going to pick a non-even number because we've so indoctrinated over the years of making tv shows where any round number is an anniversary we're going to be celebrating our 67th episode sometime soon and uh yeah we should try and do something nice with that shouldn't we give away some cherries or, or gattos or something like that. Um, but please do get in touch with us if you have any questions uh, about anything, basically, but specifically the difference between gattos and cakes. Uh, it's at Heston's Podcast on Instagram and Heston's Podcast at gmail.com for the emails. And do us a favour while you're there. Subscribe and tell your friends around it. Why don't we do like a pyramid scheme where you tell one friend and they tell two friends, and but without the financial ruin at the end uh, <laughs> uh, james were there any points of uh points of note on our cherries of disorder yeah points of <laughs> no only only only, only, only i was going to mention at some point obviously you know cherries just in terms of origin i think you know they, they we we think of them as being sort of obviously from the black forest or wherever yeah you know, and and obviously they're very much part of the english countryside these days we have english cherries but that's all thanks to henry VIII and it, sort of around the 1500s he tried them somewhere in flanders or somewhere and decided of course that all things in henry VIII's life i must have it <laughs> on my doorstep so he had them uh, transported and planted into into the gardens of hampton court i think and and across the southeast of england so wow. they've not been around in the english um culinary scene for that long maybe 500 years but i think originally they they might have i mean it's hard to know exactly but sort of certainly around greece and, and that part of the mediterranean was where the sour cherry i think was first discovered although there are references to it sort of older than that but uh, no it's quite interesting it's a it's 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 a lovely ingredient and obviously we didn't really talk about the shape and how cherry relates to its sort of love and we'd see cherry as being very much part of you know the symbol of romance see i don't think it was love i think of them as something else something at all the more sexy <laughs> but also they're one of those great symbols on a fruit machine now, when you say a pair of cherries i just suddenly see the little rolls going around oh on a fruit god machine fruit machines oh, there is and they always didn't they never paid out that much for cherries did they they were always the entry level that was the good one to get yeah I wonder how I think there might be quite a, a quite an old tradition of of, of cherries in um, Japan, in particular, cherry blossom, because the Japanese are so se obsessively season seasonal um, in a in a wonderful way. I think if you I I've just thought about this now, James, could you have a look, please? Um, that when the cherry blossom comes out. There is a season, there's a fish um, called ayu, and it's a freshwater fish, but it's a very prized pairing, this ayu fish and the cherry blossom. I've just thought about it, and I don't know how long that, how long standing that tradition is. It could be quite long, I would have thought, or quite old. 
It seems quite a lot of fish are very strongly associated with the time of the cherry blossom. It's obviously that time of year when lots of things are, are starting to come into season. And the Japanese, you know, their, their emotional relationship with the seasons is very much triggered by those first cherry blossoms. But um, and it looks like the Ayu uh, uh, fish is a carp. Yeah, it's wild, fresh water, known as sweet fish, has been likened to the cherry blossom, heralding the arrival of summer, just as cherry blossoms signify spring. So actually slightly after, it's kind of when that fish arrives, they look for, I guess, symbols in the natural world of the changing seasons and then celebrate them through, through tradition and food. Gosh, romantic, um, isn't it? Right, well, for now, I'm afraid we have run out of time on our cherry episode but well done all for getting to the end of this one uh, without getting too badly distracted by milking pigs or other various things but uh, for now james thank you ever so much for being there with our facts and heston thank you very much for popping our cherry today see you next time <laughs>